All right, hold on a second. My wife is texting me. God bless. My wife. <laughs> she acts. She acts like I have no like actual sense of responsibility. Do you? That, like that's every female's job. I mean, no, I don't. But it's fine. <laughs> oh, it's like a surprise every single time I'm competent to my wife. Real fun to have. <laughs> All right, let's let's get into it. Leaving that in. Uh, yeah, you're, you should definitely leave that in. That's that's the new beginning. The beginning of every the beginning of every single pause would be me saying something about how my <laughs> wife thinks I'm complaining idiot. about your wife. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, did I get a shout out last time? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't listen in the first ten seconds. You're later on. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Ho. Oh, H to the O V. I used to move snowflakes by the O Z. I guess even back then you can call me CEO of the R O C Ho. This is the official IPA League podcast. Welcome to episode two of the official IPA League podcast. All right, so week two of the pod, as our good friend Christian wants to say, this is remember the Titans episode um, after they are trying to ruin the NFL season. So we will get into it uh, this week. We're going to have a couple new segments I'm super excited about. We're going to start out with a little news recap from Nick Curtin on the happenings on the NFL and what happened last week. Then we're going to jump into our trusted segment of best call, worst call. And then we'll do our trusted preview and, and wrap it up. So last time we went about an hour 15. Won't be a lot of soccer talk on this one. It may sneak in, but we're on the international break. So not much club soccer going on, which is what we really care about. So for those soccer fans, sorry for those who asked to fast forward from the soccer. Hopefully no fast forwarding in this pod. Nick, anything to add? No, it sounds good. Let's get into it. All right, let's go. Let's get started with some news around the NFL. The Texans fell to 0-4, so Billy O got canned, finally. Apparently trading your entire draft and one of the best wide receivers in the league for a can of beans and a pack of gum isn't actually a good idea. Fantasy managers of our league take note. We're looking at you, Cam. Speaking of Cam, Cam Newton came down with the Rona. Pat's Chiefs was pushed to Monday night a whole 27 hours later, which was totally enough time, except on Wednesday morning. Stephon Gilmore also tested positive, so apparently it wasn't actually a good idea. Insert surprise peak you gift here who could have possibly seen this coming everyone everyone said it was a terrible idea and it made no sense oh that's right i totally forgot i'm gonna be honest this is starting to feel a little personal my two favorite teams have lost their best players like we're not losing backups this isn't ripping through that many other teams the pats have had cam newton and stefan gilmore test positive and liverpool have had tiago and sadio mane and big shack test positive i'm becoming more and more certain that life is a simulation and that whoever running it is clearly fucking with me because every day it gets more and more absurd but also more personal this is a message directly to whatever sick fuck is running this shit fuck off cunt leave me alone i was already sad i don't want to be job Moving on to injury news of the week, Austin Eckler was carted off, and Nick Chubb went out with a knee injury. It looks like an MCL sprain, and he's been placed on short-term IR. OJ Howard tore his Achilles and is out for the year. Not that anyone cares, but I did the same thing about a year ago to the day, and I still walk with a limp, and it hurts to run, so have fun with that, OJ. Fucking sucks. And on top of that, every Bucks running back except Ronald Jones is now hurt. Now let's go around the NFL and take a look at the results from this week. On Thursday night, Darnold's dynamic speed and athleticism were no match for Brett Rippon's elite arm talent. 
as the Broncos knock the Jets to 0-4. Adam Gase somehow still has his job, though. The Bengals beat the Jags for their first win of the year behind a monster day from Joe Mixon. The Seahawks managed to win in Miami behind an apparently indestructible Chris Carson, despite Tyler Lockett missing the plane. Lamar and the Ravens rolled Haskins and insert team name here. Haskins still skyrocketing up Baz's QB rankings, though, because reasons. Actually, hold on a minute. I'm getting breaking news live right now. Haskins has officially been benched. For Alex Smith, you ask? No, Alex Smith will remain the backup this week. It's the infamous Kyle Allen, once again starting for Ron Rivera, with Haskins falling to the third spot on the depth chart. Still ranked above Big Ben for Baz, though. Elsewhere around the league, Brady led the Bucks on another massive comeback, this week against the Chargers of Los Angeles, which still doesn't make any sense to me or any financial sense to the organization or the league. Houston managed to lose again despite playing against Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. Dalvin Cook and Will Fuller, might I add, had monster days. Reports of Drew Brees' demise appear to have been premature as the Saints managed to sneak by the Lions. Jameis Truthers, stand back, stand by. Odell and the Browns hung 50 on the defenseless Cowboys, but Dak threw for 500 yards and is the number one QB in fantasy, so at least Baz is also in shambles. Carolina Sands CMC somehow managed to beat the directionless Cardinals, who have been in free fall since their strong start to the season. Kenyon Drake, my first overall pick, scored three and a half points, and I am now completely panicking. The Rams beat the Giants handily. Josh Allen led the Bills to victory once again this week over the Raiders. Foles and the Bears fell to the Colts in one of the most boring games ever. Trubisky was 3-0 as a starter, while Foles is now 0-1. Not even trolling, you have to feel like Mitchell's mobility would have added something to the Bears' anemic offense in this one. I'm sitting in the edit late on Thursday night, stretching into early on Friday morning, and this take is aging incredibly poorly as I just watched Nick Foles' big dick Tom Brady once again on the last drive of the game. Foles is now 1-1 one one as a starter, and 2-0 and against Tom Brady. Back to the results around the league. The Eagles beat the Niners on Sunday night and took the lead in the NFC East at 1-2-1. and Now that's a savvy tie right there. Next level strategy in possibly the worst division we have ever seen in pro sports. The Patriots played well but lost to the Chiefs, except Brian Hoyer, of course, who is by far the worst player in the NFL, and that's including Jared Cook. Fuck that guy. Genuinely pathetic. Useless. Dog shit. Moron. Fuck you, Brian. And the Packers easily dispatched the hapless Falcons behind a strong night from their tight end who I've never heard of, but is on Keelan's team somehow, which is kind of sick all of a sudden due to some incredibly one-sided trading. Speaking of one-sided trading, my best call of the week this week is Keelan's acquisition of the indestructible Chris Carson in exchange for fucking Le'Veon Bell, which is probably the most one-sided domination of a trade I've ever seen. What the fuck happened? How, how was this allowed? This is probably the best call of the season and simultaneously the worst call of all time by whoever the fuck facilitated this absolute pillaging. Which one of your idiot brothers was this? Uh, yeah, this was Cam, also known as other bad take person in the group, along with Bads. He's um, what I would call a rookie at negotiation. He's an accountant, which means he deals with numbers and not people. And so I think he was staring at some probably advanced stat that he believed to be true and was not able to deal with Keelan's actual negotiation tactics and just basically fell for an absolute hoodwink. We had this, we talked about this actually last week as well and how much of a lopsided trade it was. And you know, it's funny. I actually had this also on my best call of the week, just so I could shit on my brother Cam some more for making me lose this past week. But yeah, I, I don't know. Part of me wonders 
And Nick, I'd be interested in your take on this. You know, Keelan has a lot of power as associate commissioner. And after seeing such a lopsided trade, should we evoke some sort of veto rules for the group? What do you think about that? I mean, it definitely raises the suspicion given his influence in the group. I do think that the league should be able to vote on trades and uh, veto them by majority if it does come to that. That's pretty standard practice in leagues. I don't think it was necessarily that egregious. I think there were like other pieces in it that I'm just omitting to make the trade look worse than it was. But it's still a pretty fucking terrible trade. You got Le'Veon Bell back and you traded away Chris Carson. So that was fucking stupid. Yeah. Sticking on Keelan for best call of the week, I actually sneakily have him picking up the Green Bay tight end that I will butcher the name of. Tonyan? Tonyan? Whatever. Robert? Tonyan? Right, Robert. Robert. Let's call him Rob. Rob. New new Rob is what we'll call him uh, since old Rob is beat up and currently trying to jog down the field in Tampa Bay. Oh, um, switch to that game real quick. But yeah, I think that's another good pickup and a steal by Keelan, who already had Kelsey on his team. And so probably looking to have new Rob be a trade piece if he continues this connection with Roger. Yeah, he's already tried to pawn him off to me in my desperate search for a tight end because Evan Ingram also sucks. Not as much as Jared Cook, but he definitely does suck. So, Oh, you know what was funny? Uh, speaking of the Jared Cook saga, Christian picked up Jared Cook last week and we eviscerated him for it. About three hours after our evisceration, Jared Cook questionable and then out for the game. So I would say that's just a good job well done by our pod there. Yeah, uh, I think he dropped him immediately. So you can see the influence of the pod across the league uh, spreading like wildfire already. All right, who else do you have in your best call? So that's my best call of the week. My worst call of the week is me, actually, for drafting Kenyon Drake in the first round, which seemed to me like a better bet than Miles Sanders at the time. And I now want to take a bath with my toaster. So if anyone's interested in acquiring Drake in a trade, and I'm looking at you, Baz, I am open to any and all reasonable offers or any offers at all, really. Um, Just anything, please. So I know you bragged last week about the Jones reach in the second round, but tell me what was going through your mind when you were drafting Drake first. So on my team last year, I managed to acquire Kenyon Drake about halfway through the season right after the trade when he went to the Cardinals, and he was a monster. He was a touchdown monster. He's in a fast-paced offense. So, you know, just getting touches in what's going to be a fast-paced, exciting offense. I think, you know, he had receiving value coming into the season. That's not panned out at all. And over the first four weeks, I think he was like fourth in running back touches. So it wasn't even that bad volume-wise, but efficiency-wise, it's dog shit. And he's not getting touchdowns. He's not getting receiving volume. I don't know, man. It's a really frustrating pick. I liked him over Miles Sanders because I didn't like the Eagles and... I thought Miles Sanders' health was was more of a question mark. Josh Jacobs was another option at that point, but Josh Jacobs also had question marks in the receiving game. But, you know, I, I definitely outthought myself a little bit there. I just thought Kenyon Drake would be sort of like Aaron Jones' light, and that has not panned out whatsoever. Yeah, I wonder if there's a thing with the Arizona running backs to start the year. I remember last year I had the unfortunate beginning to the year of drafting David Johnson, believing Yikes. that... Cliff Kingsbury, Air Raid, Kyler Murray was going to be super exciting. was not super exciting for me or my fantasy team. It was horrible, and I finished, I think, second to last in that league, which seems to be a recurring theme for me. Um, <laughs> annual tradition. Annual tradition of my first-round pick just doing nothing and finishing second to last. So hoping to continue that in this league. It's looking good for you. Have, 
Yeah, I mean, seventh out of tenth thus far, even though I lost last week, jumped two spots for uh, points four. So got to love when you when you lose, you win. This week we'll get to in the in the preview, but going up against Baz, who's 0-4, and I could really, really put myself in a great position to finish second to last by putting two games in between me and Baz. So would be fun. But yeah, so my worst call of the week, Nick, I actually had you for a little bit, but I'll move you to my honorable mention. Had wow. you for calling out OBJ wow. and basically not being afraid and then having him torch you for 35 points, I believe. I'll stand by that uh, take all day. Stand by the take, but still a worse call for this particular week. Instead, who I'll go to is actually Skells. So Skells had a shocker of a week from what it seems. I was looking back and must not be a fan of the pod. We told him to play Robbie Anderson over DJ Moore. That would have been uh, plus 7.3 points and actually got its margin down to four points. But the real egregious piece is that he played Devontae Adams. Oh, no. He played Devontae Adams. Oh, no. He should have won. He should have won. He ended up losing by 11. If you take our advice, you get that down to four. And then, dude, even if, if he just up, plays Robbie Anderson over, like Robbie Anderson, who played over Devontae Adams, who didn't play, he wins. Yeah. Oh, you basically, yeah. So, Skells, uh, for my worst call of the week of leaving in someone who didn't play, you know, usually I'd give out a punishment for this, but, you know, Monday night game, Devontae Adams wasn't ruled out until the beginning of Monday. But still, I think plenty of time. And you should so, have picked up like I, MVS or something. Just anybody. There were options galore. Could have done it and could have actually moved Devontae into his IR spot where we have about half the league. So I'm going to give him worst call of the week. We jump back up, though, because I do have some fun, I would call, honorable mentions for my best call. Okay. I have the city of Houston. So let me describe this one. The city of Houston is right now home to my brother, Max, who is first in our league at 4-0. So that's great for the city of Houston. They are getting to witness the Astros' revenge tour that will hopefully burn in flames because nobody wants them to win. And second, they got rid of Billy O'Brien. That's a win. And that's just a win. And so right now, I think city of Houston had three good calls from the past week. Looks like the city's rising and excited to see where they go. Also had honorable mention, for even though my brother Cam fucked me in his trade, he uh, fan of the pod must have listened to us over the weekend and dropped the New England defense against Kansas City and picked up the Kansas City defense wow. going against New England Savvy. and got about 16 points and actually ended up beating Skells. So margin of error small there, and that move may have actually saved him, even though Skells played a guy with zero points. Shout out to uh, Brian fucking Hoyer for that one. Yep. All right, so Nick, let's go into the matchups of the week. Um, said earlier, have some pretty juicy matchups this week. A lot of what I would call kind of the top-end players of the league going up against each other, and then a lot of the kind of bottom feeders trying to battle it out to be not last. So we'll start out with um, probably, to me, the most exciting matchup of the week. We have the number one seed coming from Houston, Tim Tebow, my brother Max, versus Keelan, who survived a absolute crazy game last week with me, in which I was the third. Actually, this happened to you the week before when we when we uh, recorded, Nick, where I got the third highest points in the league and went up against the second highest points in the league and lost. The jackpot. Um, the jackpot. So we have Tim Tebow versus Keelan, one versus two. 
break it down what we got we're looking at a strong matchup here they're both projected around 130 points keen a little bit higher you know two of the best performing quarterbacks in the league this year russell wilson versus josh allen strong receiving core keelan's weak spot in this one is terry mclaurin he's questionable he's been good on the year but the situation in washington is tenuous it's eroding quickly they like you said like you're about to say they just benched haskins is that right exactly they just benched haskins not for alex smith they benched haskins for kyle allen a ron rivera favorite who i mean basically cost him his job last year so why not continue to roll with that guy this year i don't fucking get that at all yeah, well, as a uh, Panthers fan, I got to witness the Kyle Allen situation, is what we'll call it, in which you had one decent quarter and got every single Carolina Panthers fan excited for the Kyle Allen era. And then we watched the next five games and realized we were going to rebuild the next year. And so, yeah, unclear why he is rolling with Kyle Allen. Familiarity with the offense, maybe. Maybe Alex Smith just isn't ready as you know, I wouldn't necessarily expect him to be, but not sure that's going to bode well for McLaurin. Going up against the Rams and Aaron Donald, where I don't want to be any quarterback going up against Aaron Donald. And so I could see that, you know, being below the 13.51 on projections. And with you, I think that's really the weak spot and could end up costing him. Yeah, another point of note on Keelan's team, he's got Derrick Henry in there right now who is on the Uh, Titans, and the Titans continue to have positive tests, so it doesn't look like their game is going to be played during this game week. It might be played on Tuesday, but like if they keep getting positive tests, then they're probably going to have to forfeit that one. The Titans are going to have some serious penalties from the league for holding unauthorized workouts and stuff like that, so he's going to want to rotate Derrick Henry out, move... um, who's this guy move James Robinson up from his flex in a running back and then he's going to want to move in one of his receivers probably Deontay Johnson at yeah, the I would flex so you could get Jamison Crowder in there as well you can honestly put yeah. Jamison Crowder and Deontay Johnson in pull Terry McLaurin and Derrick Henry out that's what I would do yeah a lot of options on Keelan's bench when did his team get so good I feel like it wasn't this good about Two his, weeks ago, his team got so right good when, when people just started throwing and oh, shipping right. him all the best players started in the league. Shipping him, everybody. Yep, yeah, exactly. that's right. My, my dumbass brother decided to give him Chris Carson. And Baz, um, Baz gave him Amari Cooper for uh, Godwin, so that was good. Yeah, great. Everything's working out for, for Keelan and working out for nobody else. On Max's side, little confused about his choice here at his second running back. I know Mostert is questionable, but having Freeman for the – the Giants, who have, I think, literally scored two touchdowns this year. Yeah, Devontae yeah. Freeman is yeah, not so. what you're going to be wanting for your RB2. And is that a weekly choice for him? I mean, Raheem Mostert is his running back, too. That's uh, that's a little thin up there for, for Max. Yeah, I mean, again, I think his whole team is buoyed by those first four players, Wilson, Thielen, Metcalf, Kamara. I mean, he's got Kittle as well, who could went off last week and go off at any week. C.D. Lamb and, and the high-flying Dallas offense. So I think he's good. He's basically just going to go, I don't need an RB2. I will beat you getting zero. You know, it would be interesting. What if he just put no one there? What if he just, like, really flexed in some of these games? Wow. Going up against people like me, who's, you know, projected for, like, 110 points at most, just flexing and going, I'll beat you with one less player. That would be pretty um, outrageous. Was he always this thin at running back? Yeah, I believe so. Or was he involved in one of these so. trades? No, he wasn't involved in these trades. He's been trying to find a trade partner for Deshaun Watson. Speaking but of that, no actually, one's really biting. 
Yeah, speaking of that, he has proposed me a trade, and I'm just going to read this out to you so we can all <laughs> laugh at this. I'm excited. This proposed trade is Adrian Peterson, the Detroit running back, who is 35 years old. Deshaun Watson, who is a good young quarterback, but lost his best receiver and one of the best receivers in the league. DeAndre Hopkins, who is now a Cardinal. And Jimmy Graham, the ancient tight end, who is on the Bears, who's playing a little bit better with Foles, but like realistically he offered me a decent quarterback and then two pieces of absolute bench borderline waiver wire fodder in exchange for kareem hunt the new starting running back in cleveland for the and cleveland Browns. like wow. a top five talent at the running back position so i don't have to say no cam uh or is this cam no, or max, max. This, this is max sorry cam's usually the one doing stupid things so uh <laughs> Gonna be a, gonna be a no for me, Max. And uh, yeah, I I debated on putting this into the group to roast because it is that bad of a trade. But I thought it'd be nice to save for the podcast. Yeah, wow, Max. Not sure what you were thinking. I think you may have thrown that one by me, and I thought you were joking. And so I may have said yes. Go ahead and give me some content for the pod and try to actually make that trade happen. But um, no, no need no need for that, Max. Maybe wait until Watson has a few more few good games. And then try to sell high on him. Don't think the way that that Houston offense has been looking wants any makes anyone want to have Watson at this point. Anyways, let's get to our calls. Who who are you taking in this game? Let me back out of the trade menu. <laughs> yeah. come, come back out. Come come back to the pot. Uh, Tim Tebow versus F minus my ass. I think I gotta go with Keelan's team just because of the question mark that Max has at running back too. I don't feel comfortable with his options. If Raheem Mostert doesn't play this week, then you're stuck with Devontae Freeman, and that's not a good situation to be in. So we'll go with Keelan, but Keelan's got to make the changes to his lineup that we recommend. Get Terry McLaurin and Derrick Henry out of there. Deontay Johnson and Jamison Crowder in. Yeah, I think that's right. I think if Keelan makes those changes, I like his team in this. You know, Max actually has three people going in that Sunday night game. I never like having that many people in one game. It just smells like a stinker, and it's Sunday night. You know Cousins are going to suck. They'll prob- Minnesota will probably run the ball. It'll be a low-scoring game. I think all those are going under. And then Devontae Freeman, if that's your RB2, I think you're in trouble. So I think Max gets knocked off this pedestal this week and loses his first game in this league. It's still remarkable that he is undefeated after, like you said, giving you that trade offer really shows how much he knows about fantasy football. And he admitted to me this past week, he has not watched one game of football thus far this year. And so I'm just now confused at what's happening in the world. That's really fucking annoying. (laughs) Yeah, I know. All right, let's go on to our next matchup, which, again, we have some good matchups this week. So we have the third-place team, Cam, Jameis Winston, pick six. And before we go into the matchup, let's talk about our Jameis Winston situation going on here. Let's call it Jameis Watch. Over this past Sunday, Nick, I believe you and myself and I think Cam were on the text chain watching Drew Brees absolutely suck. He was horrible to start that game. Horrible to start the game. And we were wondering, are we going to get Jameis Winston? Because you can't have Taysom Hill in there for the whole game actually running the position of quarterback. Taysom Hill could not read a children's book, much less an NFL defense. Yeah. And so right now, where are we on the Jameis watch? Breeze picked it up, started playing better in the in the second half. What do we think it takes to get Jameis in a game? I mean, like I said in my news update, 
Jameis truthers stand back stand by we're, we're just we're just waiting we're just waiting for for drew Brees to really officially fall off the cliff but it doesn't seem like he's quite there yet yeah i i might have gone too early on a couple calls i had drew Brees washed i had tom brady after the pick six wash he ends up throwing five touchdowns so let, let's slow down on the quarterbacks over 40 being done yeah weird so anyways let's go back let's go back to the matchup so we have cam the third place team versus christian the hurt locker the fourth place team and before we get to the actual matchup i want to read you text i sent to the the group that not everyone is in at this current moment where i just texted the lineups in this matchup and i just want to read out what the ir and injury situation is for both of these teams for cam he has nick chubb on the ir Sony Michelle on the IR. He has Le'Veon Bell on his bench, but on the IR. He has Noah Fant, doubtful. He also has Calvin Ridley, questionable, but in his lineup because he just has Devontae Parker left to play. He has picked up Perrin for the Jets for God knows what reason. P. Ryan. P. Ryan, for God knows what reason still. Why we say his name that way. On Christian's side, the hurt locker, which continues to remain hurt, he has Dallas Goddard in IR, Christian McCaffrey in IR, Lazard IR, but on his bench. Corey Davis, COVID-19, on his bench. Michael Thomas, questionable. Yeah, this game's a fucking graveyard, dude. Yeah, this is a graveyard. I even feel nervous talking about it because I'm afraid something's going to happen to me. But we'll go through it anyways. We'll take the risk because that's what we do for the people. Let's break it down. What do you see? Yeah, the point totals in this game are going to be a lot less because of that injury situation. Uh, Christian currently projected about 121 with Ronald Jones in play. Ronald Jones having a decent game. He's close to 13 points right now. Um, and on the other side for Cam, he's at, projected at 116. Allen Robinson only at 8 so far, but that's also a decent game. We're just nearing the end of the third quarter. Hopefully he can pick up a few more receptions, possibly a touchdown to close this one out. What jumps out to me here, I think, is the Darius Slayton flex play for Cam. You can sense his desperation. I, I don't really back a Darius Slayton flex play when you have Devontae Parker on your bench, but I think the reason that he's doing it is because Devontae Parker and the Dolphins are at San Francisco, while Darius Slayton is at Dallas. I think Dallas is the better matchup, and he might actually know what he's doing in this one, which would be a nice change of pace, so... Yeah, we can we can get on board with that, but let's be clear, it's a very high variance play, so it's either gonna hit or you're gonna get pretty much nothing from that. Yeah, and then I think do we know is Drew Locke back this week? The person who was ranked tenth on Baz's original quarterback list. Yeah, um he was suspiciously you know. absent from the subsequent list. Yeah, suspiciously. But I think um He's questionable. You know, yeah, and so he's, he's limited that. in Thursday's practice, so it's not looking okay, good so probably no. for so Drew Locke. No. Another thing that I don't so, like about Cam's team that I'm looking at right now is he's got Miles Gaskin and his RB2. Miles Gaskin's been decent this year. The problem is they're playing that strong San Francisco defense that he's trying to avoid with Devontae Parker. So Cam's matchups are, are not good. The health of his team is not good. I think he's in trouble in this one. Yeah, I'd agree. And if I look at the other side, I like the matchups um, for Christian. Just the flip side, right? You have Prescott going up against the Giants, who have been dog shit. He's got Mike Davis going up against Atlanta, which has been dog shit. He has 
Oh, he's got Stefan Diggs, so he may have to move that in case that. Yeah, so here's Christian's problem. He's got Stefan Diggs, no game. Michael Thomas, questionable. Kenny Galladay, no game. Corey Davis, COVID-19, no game. Al Lazard, IR. You might have to go with T. Higgins against Baltimore. I wouldn't want to do that if I were him. Dude, you got to – I mean, he's just going to have to hope. No, no. Yeah, Joe Burrow, take that game off, Joe. We're Just gonna, go sit down. I want to see you. I want to see you play the rest of the season. You're gonna be having a Joe Burrow funeral on Monday after that game. I think you're gonna have to hope to God that Michael Thomas plays on Monday night. That's your. That's that's Christian's best hope in this game. Yeah, but then what does he do? Because he's kind of screwed, right? If you look at the the way he has to juggle his lineup, he doesn't have a wide receiver in his flex, and so by having by not having that availability and not having the knowledge that Thomas is going to play, he's going to have to play the running backs and will potentially miss out on Thomas. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's going to be a difficult one. You're either going to have to just, I you guess know. if the Diggs one, if the Diggs one gets pushed, then you can swap Thomas in and hope he plays. But I would probably switch in Higgins and just roll the dice because I couldn't trust that Thomas is going to actually play. Yeah, either way, this one's going to be a shit show. So, yeah, a roll of the dice. Yeah, I'm going to say both of these projections are going to come in under, but I still like Christian's team. I think Dak gets big points. I didn't say Robert Woods, but he's going up against Washington, who may have three first downs the whole game, so expect the Rams' offense to be on the field a lot. I think Mike Davis can hold him over, and he'll survive. I think Cam, who who has, you know, like you said, sense of desperation, but yeah, I look at this team's these teams' benches, and I feel desperate for them. Yeah, overall, I think Christian just has the better options, but I don't know if there's any true winners in this game. No, and then God bless if any of these players gets hurt for them. I don't know. Maybe maybe we just give these guys extra bench spots instead of the whole league because I just personally feel bad. It's not looking good. All right, so third matchup of the week, we have Nick. Your squad sitting in fifth. Going up against Skells, uh, I remember last week Skells did a horrible job managing his team. It was in my worst calls of the week. I ended up with the L. He's sitting in eighth. And so why don't we break this down? Well, it's not looking good for Skells. He's got Scotty Miller in his flex, and Scotty Miller is currently playing, and Scotty Miller has zero points. So that's tough. He's got... Robbie Anderson in his lineup, as we suggested he do last week. He's got James White back from uh, his family tragedy, unfortunately. Um, good to see him back for the Patriots, though. I don't I don't like Skells in this one. Skells is projected at 105 right now. I'm projected at 115. I think my team outperforms those projections. I've got plenty of options this week. I'm going to go with David Johnson, Kareem Hunt, Will Fuller in that combination, but... I mean, I've got Kenyon Drake on my bench against the Jets and Josh Kelly, Josh Kelly against the, the Saints. So I've definitely got options. I, I don't I don't see how Skills wins this with a with a zero point flex play. Yeah. the And again, another weird play. I think this is the second week in a row. Someone's done this. We have the flex going on a Thursday night versus giving yourself maximum flexibility. And so. You know, scales with Scotty Miller. I was trying to see. I think he has, looking at it, also zero targets. So unclear what's happening right now. He may or may um, not be playing. Yeah, it says active, but I mean, I've been watching this game. And I don't see a little Wes Welker light out there. So no idea what's going on with him. 
going interestingly enough with the Carolina duo at wide receiver, DJ Moore, as we said, has been disappointing all year. I think that continues. Robbie Anderson will rack it up. And while they're playing Atlanta, I think it's a Robbie Anderson, Mike Davis game, not a Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, and Robbie, a Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, and Mike Davis game. Carolina is surprisingly stout against a run if um, my advanced stats are – nope, that's wrong. That was last year. We're giving up the second most fancy points to running backs this season, so <laughs> that will actually work out. But, you know, it kind of sucks for him. We have Devontae Adams, who would typically be in this lineup with no no game. Austin Eckler suffering the hamstring injury we talked about earlier. And then not sure you can trust Smith, Tate, or Beasley. So I think he's stuck with the team he's stuck with. You could maybe think about Singletary and take the risk that that game doesn't get played. But otherwise, yeah, I, I'm going to take you. I think Kareem Hutt. Going up against the tough Indianapolis offense, uh, the defense, though, could be an underperforming there for you. Yeah, this matchup um, does not scare me with Kareem Hunt, though. Kareem Hunt is one of the best running backs in the NFL, and he's going to get an actual workload this week. I I feel like you have to you have to play that. Yeah, I think you have to play it. the The question I have for you, which is, how confident are you in playing two Houston players right after Bill O'Brien has been fired? Extremely um, confident. Going up against Jacksonville extremely yeah, confident expect, you're i'm expecting the rebound as well i had houston as my honorable mention in the in the best calls of the week i think their fantasy value is going to skyrocket and so could could be a good time to buy low on a lot of houston assets and you know if we talk about the trade you were thinking about before in the pod you could actually be starting three houston texans yeah i mean you're starting like we see it all the time in soccer. Anytime a manager gets fired, you get that like ding dong, the witch is dead, like bump from getting, you know, just rid of the guy who sucked. Yeah. I I, I think the same's gonna be true here. I think, you know, we we've seen it with new managers all the time in soccer. You know, teams that are about to be relegated will sometimes in the final eight games of the season get rid of the manager, bring in someone new, get a new system in place, galvanize the players and allow them to go and finish the stretch out. The thing I worry about with this is a little bit of the timing of it, you know, happening right after their, their game this week, that maybe not enough time to adapt the scheme, really get new blood in there. And then doing it so early in the season, will this actually sustain or will we see a spike and then a rise back down? To be seen, uh, I think what Romeo Cornell is back as a head coach again. So it'll be interesting to see how he does in his third or fourth stint. What could and possibly go wrong? Nothing. Absolutely nothing with Romeo Cornell. You're still stuck playing Evan Ingram at tight end. Granted, good matchup against Dallas. I'm actually taking the other for that matchup in my game, which we'll get to at the end. I sneakily think Dallas defense is a decent streaming play this week. What's funny but... is I've been through so many tight ends at this point. I've tried Gesicki. I've tried everyone that I can find off the waiver wire, basically. None of them have really worked out. Evan Ingram still is getting, I think, a majority of the target share in that Giants offense. So I just yeah, got to I mean, start ten, hoping ten, that they work out. Yeah, you got you got to look. This this stat line is concerning, though. But let me read this out for you. Week one, seven targets, two receptions, nine yards. Week two, eight targets, six receptions, 65 yards. Solid. Week three, five targets, three receptions, 22 yards. Not good. Week four, 10 targets, six receptions. 35 yards yeah his efficiency has been terrible i expected him to be more of a playmaker he's not been yeah looks converting like a, lot, a of, lot of passes from daniel jones into anything of value for me so yeah it looks like a lot of underneath routes look i mean 
looks like you basically have Mike Evans, but in the tight end spot there. You know, Mike Evans tonight again with another three yard touchdown. I saw the stat line at the beginning of the game. It was like two <laughs> catches, three yards, one touchdown. I was like, this is amazing. I if I could play game. Mike Evans as tight end, then I'd be chilling. Yeah. We could maybe put in a uh, petition to see if you can switch position there. But I, I'm with you. I, I think Skells has tough matchups, tough actual line of flexibility. I don't love having the two Carolina receivers in your uh, wide receiver one and wide receiver two spots. There's not enough volume in that offense. Like Teddy Two Gloves is not slinging it out there. He had a good week last week, but he's not yeah. slinging you gotta, it. You got to basically hope that Atlanta is going to – going to roll over and, and be tired of the Dan Quinn experiment and say, let's let's go 0-5 and, and get him out of here. Um, that's the only hope that I think Skelt has in this, and I expect him to go to 1-4. and four. Watch DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson combine for 50. Yeah, probably, because that's typically how it works for us, particularly after our your OBJ comment. So, can't, can't wait for that. Tough. Um, Alright, so moving on to the next, we have other Nick who Defeated you last week, but still remains behind you in the standings at six, going up against our crooked commish. So we have a little what I would call family matchup here. Um, for those of you who can't keep track of the family trees happening, other Nick, Nick Libby, who was a first of three to lead the group chat, um, is dating the commish's sister. And so could be an interesting time for little brother commish to show it up to you know the big bad guy dating a sister or does he just basically roll over and say hey i'll be nice get, keep the win in the family you're doing better than me what do you see in this game yeah man this could get ugly right now they're both projected nick is projected at 122 the commish is projected at 125 he's got david montgomery going right now at 12 and a half at the end of the third uh, it's a pretty good game from David Montgomery in your flex, or at your RB2, actually. So, which he acquired in the trade. But yeah, he's got Julian Edelman, who's questionable, and you know that game may or may not be played on Monday night if the Pats continue to test positive. Stefan Gilmore, the most recent, unfortunately. But uh, the commission is projected to win this one, and I think on the back of that David Montgomery performance, he's in, he's in pretty good shape, but the flex is the question mark here. So you might have to go with T.Y. Hilton to shore that up. Yeah, if I'm looking at it, you know, Mahomes and Tyreek, decent stat lines, but not great games against New England. New England predictably mucked it up. I expect them to come slinging it against the Las Vegas Raiders, which is so weird to say. I think they could maybe combine here. I could see a big game at Tyreek. He hasn't blown up in a, in a while. I could see... Maybe, you know, he's got a touchdown every game this far. We can see a couple big scores. Maybe he gets a two-touchdown game. Mahomes, and he throws for four, really puts it out there. DeAndre is going up against the woeful Jets, who the commish supports. And so, you know, if your Jets are going to lose again, might as well get fantasy points out of it. And then, yeah, like you said, we've got to basically clean up his flex. Maybe Edelman, if he's going to play. Maybe throw Hilton in against Cleveland. Cleveland seems susceptible against Dak in the past towards the end of the game. So, you know, if... Cleveland is winning by a lot, or you know maybe Philip Rivers has a couple, you know, throw back the rewind the clock, let him actually toss it, and throw like four interceptions, but then throw three touchdowns and lead a game-winning drive. Classic Philip Rivers. Maybe Ty gets a couple of those. On Nick's side, it's actually interesting. So we got Lamar Jackson tagged with a questionable, but you know we know he'll play. Playing up, going up against 
a pretty bad Cincinnati defense, but wondering if he's a little beat up, does Baltimore rely more on that three-headed monster running back versus letting Lamar cook? And then OBJ, who burned you last week, going up against that Indianapolis defense. Yeah, he's not going to do shit this week, man. Like, like I said, there are certain fantasy players that are what we would like to call friend zone players. So, mm. you know. Well, describe that. What's a friend zone player for you? So, it's like once a month or every so often, you'll get a performance out of these guys where you'll think, wow, this is special. There's really something here maybe we have something you know it's like it's like a girl who's kind of leading you on every now and then when she's lonely or wants attention and she'll settle for attention from you when in reality that's that's never going to be the case on a consistent basis yeah so keep so keep going nick how many times that happened to you do you like how much how recently was it Do you want to talk about it listen man listen 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 not 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 this pod we'll do is that is that the is that the 100th episode pod it's not it's not that this is like a regular occurrence for me but like we've all been there we all understand what that situation is like and far more often we have that situation in fantasy football and you know you could call will fuller a friend zone type of player if you are uneducated on the situation in which he now finds himself so things are different now Right, we can we can yeah. change things. Right? I've never heard that from my friends at all. You know, <laughs> they've changed. They'll they'll be better this time. We they can save her. She she wants help. <laughs> she's she's going to the therapist. She's getting physical therapy. Oh her no, her hamstrings want to stay stay good. No, what? No, the movement coach. Yeah. Yes, it's it's all about the different way of running now. Yeah, it no. will be fine. So, uh, yeah, look. Will Fuller has been saved. Not so, not the case for Odell Beckham Jr. Odell Beckham Jr. is a classic friend zone player. He will have that game once a month, maybe, if you're lucky. That'll give you 35 points, which is great when you get it. But when he gives you six, then you can't really be mad because that's, you know, sort of comes with the territory. Yeah, the thing that also interesting about Odell Beckham is a lot of his damage last week was on the ground. And so a lot of stuff coming out of uh, camp about Stefanski, the new Cleveland head coach, has been that he's going to establish the ground game and turn Baker into more of a game manager. And that seems to be what's happening. And so my guess, Indianapolis, who has a great defense, a lot of hype, hopefully not getting too overhyped after the last game in which they held the fucking horrible Nick Foles ranked eighth or ninth on the new Baz list. Yeah, better than Dak Prescott. Um, better than that Prescott to about nine points. It'll be interesting to see if they allow Odell Beckham to be that versatile against them. I imagine they'll turn him into an actual wide receiver and Stefanski is going to want to lay on the ground game, establish that and not let Baker put him in positions where they lose the game. And so I, I expect Odell to not have a big game like you. I think he is that friend zone player. I think he'll probably wait until week I'm gonna say week seven against Cincinnati when you're just about to give up on him. Yeah, to that'll have be a big game. That'll be a good one for him. But then they might keep it on the ground, so you don't know. It's it's too it's too difficult to predict the game with Odell, which is the real problem. I think yeah, this is gonna be a game, classic Odell bad body language game. We're gonna see him, you know, dropping balls over the middle. He's gonna be pouting. He's gonna be yelling at Baker. It's not gonna be good. I'm doubling down on my Odell take. Fuck Odell. <laughs> 
I think in this game, our Crooked Kamish is projected to win by about a point right now. And it's because he has the higher top end talent. But I think overall, Nick has more depth and is a little bit more solid, especially at flex. So I think I'm going with Nick in this one. Interesting. So it was the Knicks game last week in which we differed and which I correctly called that, you know, other Nick would beat you. Um, so I went five and zero last week in my picks while you went four and one. I'm going to differ this time as well. I think the crew commish behind Mahomes, Hopkins and Hill is going to end up taking this game from, from Nick, from his older brother potential to be. And I think something about Odell being down, something about the Minnesota night game, Something about Lamar being a bit questionable. I don't love it. It doesn't add up to me to be a win for Nick. And so I'm going to take the crooked commission in this one. Yeah, it's pretty crazy that I just picked Odell in the winning yeah, team. Yeah, after shitting on him for about literally seven minutes about friend zoning. I yes. don't really know what well, happened that's what the there. Fr- that's what the friend zone does to you. That it, is it what really the friend zone does to me specifically, for sure. Yeah, it's not oh, stereotypical man. at all. Moving on. <laughs> moving, moving right on. So we'll get – this is actually – yeah, my, my game. We're on to the last game. The, you know, my game was last last time because I was one of the worst players. Um, you know, ninth, now seventh. And going up against Baz this wow, week. Wow, this is um, tragic. This is, this is a horrible game. Notably, like the lowest, notably the lowest projections that we're looking at by about 10 points. The drop-off is steep and very significant. You're projected at 111. Baz is projected at 113. Baz has Julio questionable. You have Joe Mixon, Mark Andrews, and A.J. Brown all questionable. A.J. Brown's not playing. Get him out of your flex right now. Yeah, I know. I'm going to pull him out after this. Probably going to go with Brown or Judy. Haven't decided yet between those two. I don't know. Maybe, if... maybe throw a little Ayuk out, dude. I, yeah, I don't. I don't know if John Brown or Jerry Judy are gonna play either. You're gonna have to go with Ayuk, and I actually yeah. don't. I don't mind Ayuk. I think he looks really good. I think it was good too. I picked him up last week for free. Um, a lot of people didn't know who he was. I got a couple texts. What is that pickup? Rookie, um, another San Francisco find. Similar to how Pittsburgh can find wide receivers out of nothing. San Francisco finds wide receiver running back combos out of nothing. And so I think he was coming out of Oklahoma State, if I'm to be actually correct in that. That would be wild. But yeah, so break this down. This is a pretty grim matchup just from the projected points. I will say I have a feeling my team's going to be this type of projected points all year long. And there'll be days when I basically hit this or below. But then other days like last week in which I'm going to blow it out of the water and get like 130. So what jumps out to me right away is Teddy Two Loves at your quarterback position. Seems like a bit of a homer pick. He did have a good week last week, and I think he had one other solid week in week one when he was just dropping bombs to Robbie Anderson. But in the other two weeks, we're looking at 10 points and 14 and a half points, which is not what you want from your quarterback. He does have a good matchup at Atlanta, so there should be points to be had there for him on the other side Bass has Joe Burrow who has been really good uh, surprisingly but he's got him going up against Baltimore and that's a terrible matchup he's got Julio Jones who's questionable and has not been as strong of a play as Calvin Ridley this year Austin Hooper at tight end has also been pretty dreadful and Mark Andrews was disappointing for, on your side but he, he's had a couple big weeks, and it looks like he could be getting more involved going forward. It's a tough one, man. This is a toss-up, but 
I was going to go with Baz because I think overall the strength of his lineup is a little bit better and he has a more solid option at flex, but Melvin Gordon might not play either. So I think I actually will go with you despite the fact that uh, you got to sort that flex out. Yeah, I'll got to sort out the flex. I think, so I'm, I'm going to go with me as well. You know, typically I'd be starting Aaron Rodgers that I got back in that blockbuster trade, but he's on by. And so going to go with a little homer pick here, largely because of the matchup as well as because I think Teddy Two Gloves is also starting to get a bit more comfortable in the running game. And so I do think Carolina is going to try to lean more on that in this uh, in this matchup with Atlanta. I've got to figure out what's happening in L.A. for, for the Rams. Henderson looked like he had the number one spot, at least short up for the short term. And then last week could barely find the field. Um, only had eight attempts for 21 yards after having 20 and 12 the two weeks before. And so hoping that the matchup with Washington is the one that Sean McVay likes him in. Who the fuck knows? Joe Mixon against Baltimore. I'm very worried that's going to be like a five-point game for Joe Mixon because Baltimore is just going to run like train on Cincinnati. But with Joe Burrow going for Baz on the other side, I don't feel like he's going to get to close to the 18. Yeah, o- overall, once I, once I sort out my flex, which I think I'm going to go to AU against Miami, I think I'll be pretty good. And, you know, the only worry is that somehow Ezekiel Elliott gets himself really going in a big way. And, but yeah, hopefully thinking that Juju comes back with a big game uh, since Pittsburgh missed last week and looking for 20 points out of him. Streaming Dallas' defense was a controversial call because Dallas has been horrible on defense, but think that Daniel Jones has a couple picks in him and that offense is just anemic. And so I'll take the Dallas defense that has been shit on all week with something to prove. Going with me, even though I'm not projected to win, just putting some distance between myself and Baz, moving Baz to 0-5 in this league, which is all that we can fucking ask for. Fucking taking care of a cat? Yeah, gross. Really, Yeah. don't get a cat. What? Yeah, so what's your take on cats versus dogs versus no pets? So, like, I'm not an anti-cat person because growing up we had a cat. and Oh, really? Yeah, like, I'm not one of those people who's like, uh, like, fuck cats, whatever. Like, most cats Wait, are... are... You, it, it, Indoor or outdoor cat? Because that makes a huge difference in my mind. Yeah, our cat was indoor-outdoor, and we had, like, a basement to put, like, the litter box in. So, not really a big deal for me. But, uh, yeah, no. In an apartment, cat, not a good idea. Litter boxes are fucking disgusting. And, like, ugh, ugh. Don't, ugh. don't, don't do that. Um, overall, yeah, like, dogs, for sure. Preferably. Yeah. But. I, I, I grew up basically, you know, uh... You've seen the movie Snatch, right? No. You What? Okay, that's on your weekend to-do list. You don't do movies? Don't tell me you don't do movies. I just don't. What? I've never heard of it. Snatch? No. All right, well, look it up. It's <laughs> it's a great movie. Highly recommend it. Brad Pitt plays a bit gypsy boxer. It's awesome. You'll enjoy it. Huh. But he's a, gyp- he's a gypsy and basically lives in a commune. That's kind of how I grew up. And we had, like... Five dogs, four cats, all outside, never indoor. And so I never really understood that, like, litter boxes and or the fact that, like, dogs can shit in the house until I got a pet for myself, not one that, like, was family. Do dogs so now, shit in the house? Whose dog shits in the house? Puppies and bullshit, man. Oh, okay, yeah, if it's not trained. Yeah, exactly. But, like, I would – there's no chance I would ever – have a puppy i think at this point in my life there's like i don't have the time for training that shit no dude i i 
I'm just like hugely squeamish in general. I can't deal with stuff like that. I cannot do it. Wait, all right. So rank poop, blood, and then what would else be squeamish about? Vomit. Uh, dude. Give me, give me none of any of them. Like I'm such a fucking pussy. I don't, I don't want to deal with any of it. I can't do it. Like, yeah, nah, fuck that. I haven't thrown up. It's probably been like ten years since I've thrown up. I just don't do it. It's, I, it's gross. I, I don't fuck with it. Um, the last time that I cut myself really bad, I passed out. Last time I got blood drawn, I passed out. And yeah, I don't like cleaning up shit either. Fuck that. That's fucking hilarious. I just can't do it, dude. I'm a huge pussy. <laughs> okay. Shock it out. Like that's um, like one of my biggest things where I'm like, I don't wanna have a kid because I am not gonna be able to do that. Like I'm gonna need it? to have enough money to pay somebody else to do that shit because I'm not gonna be able to like tell my wife to deal with it and I'm not gonna yeah, be able to no. do it myself. So like that's not gonna be a good situation yeah. for me. Yeah, we're in the 21st century. You you definitely can't just say, hey, this is your job. This is my job. There's no chance. No. Oh I know I'm gosh. not going to get away with that. So, like, yeah, it's a problem. It's a real it's a real reservation of mine. <laughs> Have you talked to your girlfriend about this? Oh, yeah. She's kind of on the same page. <laughs> just no kids. I'm too squeamish. Uh, yeah, among other reasons. <laughs> Dude, I have, so many, I have so many older cousins right now. Like, all my cousins are way older than me. My mom's the youngest in the family, and, like, she had kids, like, later. So all my cousins have kids, and they're super fucking annoying. Like, yeah, little kid, cute, whatever. Nah, they're, they're absolute demons. Like, they're all so annoying. And I can just see the life slowly leaving their, like, the eyes of my cousins because it's like, oh, freedom? What's that? Never heard of it. Like, uh, my autonomy is gone, and I'm like, yeah, that sucks. I don't think that seems like a good idea, but I don't know. <laughs> to eat your fucking own, I guess. I mean, like, at the same time, I can't picture I can't picture life without like a family long term. Like, it doesn't really. I don't have a good image of what that looks like. It seems kind of like lonely and sad. But like practically, seems like a terrible idea. Like, I don't. Well, yeah, practically, it's obviously a terrible idea. It's more money. That like you're gonna have to go spend. It is less time. Dude, to yourself. so expensive. It's more sac like think about so when I got married, I basically had to make a decision on what sport am I giving up? Because I could spend ev- all day, every day, and all like hours of the day on the weekends watching sports. And yeah, so I'm like, okay. That's what I do. Yeah, I don't it will change at some point. If unless it will just change. Let me tell you that it will change at some point when you get older, my friend. And for me, I had to go through a whole calculus of like, okay, what sports do I rank the highest? What do I care most about watching? Like, what do I have true teams in? And then what is just the most fun in terms of like, I like to call fun above replacement, right? Which is like, mm. yeah, like a typical farp. Saturday day. Yeah. Farp. Yeah. Farp, which is typical Saturday day drinking would be fun. But you know, instead of watching college football day drinking, Everyone does it on Saturday, so I could probably walk my way into that without planning it. But I'm hanging out with my wife during that time. So maybe her friends are doing it. Maybe we're going to a party where it's on. Sneaky. So instead of me driving that, yeah, it's exactly. And so basically what I've decided is I've got NBA. I've got 
obviously soccer. So that's just Saturday morning. She sleeps in. I watch. It's great. And soccer's, then, soccer's easy. Soccer's easy. She's sleeping. Doesn't even know I'm watching it. It's fantastic. And then Sunday has the most spark in my mind. Sunday NFL football. In that she has wants nothing to do with it. She doesn't want to drink on a Sunday. She doesn't want to hang out at a bar. And so I get the time by myself. Plus, I get the opportunity to, to drink and watch football. And maybe there are a couple other games on without any interruption or without any distraction. And then Saturday afternoon, as well as in during the week, during the week, I play some sports, which is good. Um, and so she takes that as physical activity, which is exercise. So that plays into it. But but Saturday afternoon in college football has been the one thing that I just completely lost. Like, I have no idea what's ever happening about college football. That's and, tough. Yeah, a lot of people in the South don't quite understand how that's the decision I made. But when I go to my FARP ratings, it's just right there as, like, the least FARPable. That checks out. Yeah, my girlfriend was a little bit disturbed when, for the first time this year, I sat down. I set up, like, a multiple TV setup and... I got extremely excited when uh, – who's the guy that does Red Zone? Scott Hansen. Scott Hansen, that's who it is. That's right. When Scott Hansen got set up and he said, get ready for seven hours of commercial-free football, and I'm, like, literally jumping for joy and getting so excited, and I'm like, everyone, quiet, quiet, quiet. He's going to say it. He's going to say it. And then he said it, and I was like, oh, he said it. Let's go. And everyone was kind of like, yo – what's going on here are you okay my girlfriend just looked at me and she's like i've never seen you this happy before is this is this the first nfl nfl season she's witnessed with you uh we've been dating for about a we met it like a year ago so we went through last season but like it wasn't as serious back then so you know gotcha she didn't expect as much from me i think i think i got away with just like not being around more Mm, yeah but she's really starting to uh understand the scope of of what's happening (laughs) and funnily enough she was like uh i think like our our, like anniversary technically she was like looking through and she was like it's february 7th we were talking about the super bowl and she was like please tell me that the super bowl is not on the same day as our anniversary and i was like uh <laughs> I no mean way, no I could I could tell you that but it would be a lie. <laughs> yeah, definitely just go. You know what? Why don't you google that for yourself and she was, anniversary the 8th. She was not she was not excited about that. She was like, "Can I have one day? One single day out of the entire year?" And I was like, "Apparently not." Just, well, you could say, "Yes, you can, just not that day." Yeah, the day before <laughs> we'll do something. The day before day after and honestly the super bowl might get pushed to a different day so maybe we'll get lucky but she wasn't happy about that and she wasn't happy that that was the time that i learned that that was our anniversary as well that was like last week Oof. <laughs> dude i thought i you know what in my defense i was gonna figure it out i just thought i had more time i didn't have think i had to figure out a february date in september so i don't know i think i got fucked over there by an unfortunate yeah. conversation yeah, you've got to at least hope that's that conversation's not happening until November, December, and then you got a solid month of like sleuthing to no, figure gonna, it out. Yeah, I was gonna figure it out. I really was. I was just procrastinating on it. But she was not happy about that or the fact that it was on the same day as the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's why I always try to plan my anniversaries around other momentous events. Like my wife and I well, I just remember our wedding date. That's fine. 
but our dating anniversary is Cinco de Mayo. Wow. I just can't literally forget that. Easy. Like, no matter what I try to do, I just can't forget it. Cinco de Mayo, boom, lock that in. Like, that's fine. Never have to worry about that again. Margaritas, the, tacos, sorted. Boom, done, call it a day, lock it in, I'm out of here. The, um, the main problem I've had with sports, which I bet you're having now, the lack of sports before made her get way – so I thought – I had this theory, which it's turning out is kind of true but also also not true, which is, you know, when sports were gone, I was spending a lot of time with her, a lot of puzzles, a lot of So many puzzles. Girl, so many puzzles, a lot of Gossip Girl, a lot of her choosing what's on the TV – her not really knowing sports were canceled, so maybe thinking I was sacrificing, but then eventually figuring out sports were canceled and being like, oh, whatever. But I thought that whole time I was banking capital because yeah. eventually sports were going to It doesn't work like that, back. does it? Well, kind of yes and no. It worked like that like when soccer first came back, when Liverpool won the title with a random Wednesday, we clinched it because Chelsea beat Man City. I opened up a bottle of champagne, and I drank it on a Wednesday, regular Wednesday. I quit work at 4, started drinking, and just, like, had myself a night. Like, she was Incredible. totally fine with that. Totally great with that. Then, like, you know, soccer keeps going. NBA comes back. I'm watching a bunch of that. And she's like, okay, like, still, like, still all right. You're basically figuring out, oh, my gosh, Nick Foles is going to beat Tom Brady again. Maybe. This is wild. Um but basically, it's like, okay, like, why not let you, you know, have this part of the NBA, understand it's a bubble, it's fun, it's back, you missed it. Now that it's just all these sports are happening at once again, there's no more capital to give. Now it's basically back into you care about sports way too much, and you focus way too much of your time. And then you throw this podcast onto it, which right <laughs> now is totally fine. She's like, oh, you're spending two hours, it's fun, you're having a great time. There's going to be a time where it's going to be like, oh, you're doing another fucking podcast? Why is that? <laughs> what? Then I thought you just did it weekly. Why is it now twice a week? Well, we have interviews now. It's interesting. We've this got is, sponsors. This yeah. This is literally, this potentially being something real is, I think, going to be her worst nightmare because now I actually have an excuse to watch every sports game so I can comment on it. Yeah. And it's in our Spotify contracts that we have to do a certain amount of pods every week. So sorry about it. Sorry about it. We'll send you the we'll send you the bill later, <laughs> dude. Oh, oh man, yeah, Chicago's. I'm I'm seeing Chicago take this field goal right now. They're about to go up by one. Yeah, I know. It's uh, well, watch you watch it. He made it. Brady's got a minute. Wow, this is pretty much the exact situation that he was in in the Super Bowl. And as a Patriots fan, having seen the game that he played, which was record setting, uh, I was completely confident at this point that he was about to drive the team down the field score and we were going to win that game until he got strip sacked on the first fucking play it'd be amazing if that happened again what would be even more amazing is if scotty miller no no no, no. Touchdown right now. Uh, <laughs> that would, that would not amazing. be okay that would not <laughs> be okay oh man i'm loving the goose egg from scotty miller let's see what happens here <laughs>